Thank you for plugging into this Family Life News podcast, streaming issues-driven, family-focused news. faith under fire. Each Thursday on Family Life, we give voice to religious battlegrounds in this nation. I'm your host, Tracy Lynn. With us today, Jordan Pratt, Senior Counsel with First Liberty Institute. Following the June ruling on concealed carry firearms by the Supreme Court, New York state lawmakers tightened restrictions. Would you explain both the ruling, the state laws, and the injunction for us? I'd be happy to. I think there's actually two Supreme Court rulings that are directly relevant here. The first was back during COVID-19, the state of New York imposed really restrictive occupancy restrictions on houses of worship that it did not impose on businesses uh, where secular activities were happening. And the Supreme Court said, you can't do that. That is a violation of the First Amendment because it discriminates against houses of worship. And then you fast forward another year or two, and we get the ruling that you just asked about, which is the Bruin decision, in which the Supreme Court of the United States held that New York had violated the Second Amendment because it imposed really harsh and onerous restrictions on ordinary citizens who wanted to carry firearms for self-defense. And it did so in a way that wasn't consistent with any national historical tradition, that it was really just sort of an outlier policy. What New York had done is it said, look, in order to carry a firearm, you have to get a license. Oh, and by the way, if you want to get a license, you have to show us that you're a really, really special person who has a really heightened need for self-defense and just being concerned about your safety isn't enough. So basically, New York said, you can't be an ordinary citizen and exercise your Second Amendment right to armed self-defense. Fast forward seven days after that decision came out, the state of New York responded with a whole series of gun control measures, but one of which is the one that's the focus of our suit. It said that no one can concealed carry a firearm at a house of worship. And the reason why that's problematic, reason number one, New York allows business owners to determine whether to allow concealed carry on their property, but it deprives religious leaders of that same power. So it's just like in that first case I discussed, it's targeting houses of worship for especially onerous restrictions. So that's number one. Reason number two is if you think about it, what New York is doing is it's dictating whom houses of worship can admit to their services and what they can do during their services. And of course, that strikes at the very core of religious freedom. Houses of worship pretty much choose for themselves, right, what they do during their worship services, and the government isn't supposed to intrude. And then the third reason why this is all problematic is that At no point in our nation's history has any state ever categorically banned armed self-defense in houses of worship. And in fact, it's quite the opposite. At the time of the founding of our country, there were many states that actually required carry at houses of worship, presumably as like a readiness measure, you know, to maintain peace. So what we have is a triple constitutional violation, and we have the state telling religious adherents that they have to pick between worship and self-defense, that they have to pick between their First Amendment rights and their Second Amendment rights. That is unconstitutional at least three times over, and it completely ignores at least two cases that New York has lost before the Supreme Court. Wow. Jordan, thank you for making that so clear to us. I know one of the plaintiffs for the injunction against New York State was a church in Horseheads, New York, which is in our listening area. That's right. His Tabernacle Church 
and its head pastor, Michael Spencer, are the clients that we're representing in suing over this New York law. So the seesaw over these laws continues. On November 7th, a judge issued an injunction allowing concealed carry. But on November 15th, just this week, a three-judge panel with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit moved to reinstate the provisions of New York's concealed carry law. You're correct. At least two federal courts have enjoined various aspects of of the recent gun control legislation in New York, one of which is in the Western District of New York, and it granted a preliminary injunction on Second Amendment claims only. And that preliminary injunction had been appealed. Given just how proud the state officials seemed of this new law, it was not surprising to me that the state vigorously contests these cases. And New York's latest law, it's a ban on the sale of toy guns that are black, blue, or silver in the state. That law took place this week. It's funny, like, I'm sympathetic to state lawyers. I actually used to be one. I I was a deputy solicitor general for the state of Florida, and my job all day, every day, was defending state law against legal challenges. So I get it. I am often able to see at least the legitimacy of the argument on the other side. But when it comes to this place of worship, concealed carry ban, I really just don't know what the state was thinking. I think that this is clearly in contravention of binding precedent from the Supreme Court against the state of New York in particular. They just haven't learned from their losses or they're not willing to abide by the dictates of upper management. I don't know exactly what it is, but this one in particular is a head scratcher. Yeah, it feels like a power struggle. Honestly, the powers that be that quickly did that knee-jerk reaction to the Supreme Court's ruling. But in light of mass shootings and shootings in churches, it's like, of course, people want to be safe. We want to know that there are people near entryways that are carrying. Yeah. And I think, you know, both sides of this case would probably agree that safety is a really big concern for places of worship. And presumably what is animating this concern from the state, I mean, we'll hear more, you know, once they respond to our suit. But I imagine what they will say is look at all of these shootings that have happened across the country. And of course, as a factual matter, it's true, right? There has been violence at houses of worship. But I would take exactly the opposite inference from what New York takes. In every single one of those situations, at least that I'm aware of, it was not a church member or a synagogue member. It was someone from the outside, oftentimes who may have already been prohibited from having a gun in the first place, who isn't concerned at all about an unlawful weapons charge, who's willing to commit mass murder or attempt mass murder or mass violence. And these sorts of laws only have one effect, which is to disarm the very targets of violence that supposedly the state is trying to protect right? That's not a protection strategy. That's not even rational. That's not a sensible mode of legislating. If we grant that, yes, there's this special type of concern that we have for houses of worship because they've been targets of lethal violence, saying, okay, well, now we're not even going to allow you the choice about whether to protect yourself is just a completely irrational way of approaching that problem. I'm not saying that every house of worship should choose to arm itself. What I'm saying is that every house of worship should have that choice. And in fact, the Constitution affords them that choice. And the state of New York has simply said, yeah, we're just going to take it off the table and disarm the victims. No other jurisdiction, including the District of Columbia, handles this issue like New York does. New York truly stands alone. And I think they're, they're really putting themselves out there. Jordan, do you have any recommendations for listeners moving forward in an effort to protect our Second Amendment rights in a state like New York? Well, the first recommendation that I have is don't be afraid to stand on your rights. And if you see something, say something, right? First Liberty Institute is here 
to vindicate the religious liberty of people of all faiths. The second thing is, I do want to make clear, our suit doesn't presuppose any right answer as to whether a house of worship should have concealed carry. Every place of worship is different. Just because my client has made the determination that for them, that this is an issue of faith and of safety, that that they should have armed self-defense on their property, that doesn't mean that that's a one-size-fits-all model. What our suit is contending is that religious leaders should have the freedom to choose, that the state of New York has essentially taken that choice off the table and has really put them to an impossible choice, which is to pick between being a house of worship and having self-defense. And the craziest thing, actually, about this law is his tabernacle church, if they tomorrow were to say, you know what, forget about the whole religion thing, we're not going to be a church, we disavow the faith, but we're not changing anything else. We're still going to have the same staff, the same leader. Now we're just going to be a secular philosophy club, right, or a jazz club. We're going to have communal singing. We're going to have a motivational talk. We'll have a coffee hour. The facilities stay the same. The building stays the same. Payroll is the same. Membership is the same. Under the state of New York's law, they would be able to carry simply because religion is no longer part of the picture. There are several aspects of this law that are really, really disconcerting. But if I were to identify one, I think that's the most disconcerting. And, you know, what we focus on at First Liberty Institute is religious freedom. And that is the really pernicious aspect of this law. So I think houses of worship shouldn't be afraid to stand up. And when there's government overreach, to contact First Liberty and say, look, we need to bring a case. And I'm glad that his tabernacle church did that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again. And where can we learn more about First Liberty and the cases that you're working on? You can go to firstliberty.org, and we have a lot of information about our cases and the kind of work that we do. That's Jordan Pratt with First Liberty Institute. I'm Tracy Lynn, Family Life News.